Well, I've certainly enjoyed being in the service uh, tonight already, and uh, we're very uh, thankful for the privilege that my wife and I have had to be able to be a part of the conference uh, this week, looking forward to what God's going to do throughout this, uh, the, throughout this week. Our text is going to be in 2 Corinthians chapters 8 through 10 uh, this morning, or tonight, I'm sorry. Uh, tonight we'll be looking at those three chapters, several verses, but um, it'll be a, just a couple of moments before we actually begin to look at some of those passages of Scripture uh, in 2 Corinthians chapters, verses 8 through 10. Missions is the heartbeat of God. Jesus said in Luke chapter 19 and verse 10 that the reason that he left heaven was for missions. Luke 19.10 says, The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. And so Jesus came in order to be able to look and to find and save people uh, that, were un, that, that were lost, the, to, to reach the lost. Now, not only did Jesus tell us that his purpose was that he would seek and save the lost, his purpose was missions, but he also told us that we also had this, we have the same commission. In John chapter 20 and verse 21, Jesus said to his disciples, Peace be unto you, as my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. So as the Lord Jesus was sent to seek and to save those which are lost, so you and I are sent to seek and to save the lost as well. Missions is the heartbeat of God, and it should be ours as well. Now, there's no bad way to do missions. Um, I, 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 don't, I wouldn't be critical of any church that had a missions program, whatever that program was. I think the best program is Faith Promise, which is the one that your church uses and the one that I use for, for all the time that I pastored as well, always use Faith Promise. Some churches uh, don't use Faith Promise, and again, I wouldn't be critical if they don't. As long as you're doing something, uh, there are other ways to do it, but I think the best is Faith Promise. Some churches have a, what I would call maybe an emotional plan, and that is that they don't have a set amount of money, that they don't use cards like we use. They, they just uh, occasionally will have a missionary come through, and the missionary will come and show some, some videos or slides and will uh, do a PowerPoint of some sort and maybe tell some sad stories. And people's hearts are, are moved and they take an offering to help with that missions project. You know, again, that's, that's better than nothing. Uh, it's, um, I, I would prefer that to not doing missions at all. But it's not the best way. Another, sometimes churches use a budget program. And the budget program would be, for example, where we say we're going to take 10% of all the offerings that come in or 20% or whatever it might be. We're going to set that aside for missions. That's better than an emotional plan. Uh, but so if you give $100, for example, in the offering, then they would take 10 or $20, set it aside, and that would be used for missions. Again, that's, that's better, than, uh, better than nothing. It's not, not a bad plan. It's a good plan. But I think the best plan is the one that your church uses, and I think it's a scriptural plan, and that's called Faith Promise Mission. So tonight, I want to just take a few minutes and talk to you about Faith Promise. Just a very basic, simple message on the what, the why, and the how of Faith Promise. What is Faith Promise? Why do we use Faith Promise? And how does it work? How do we do this? So let's talk about that for a few moments tonight. Number one, what is Faith Promise Missions? Well, Faith Promise Missions is a promise that you make to God concerning the amount of money that you're going to give on a weekly, monthly, or annual basis to missions. If you have that card with you tonight, you'll notice that on the card there, we have a place where you make a commitment of an amount of money that you're going to, you're going to make a promise to God to give on a weekly or monthly or even an annual basis 
strictly for missions. Uh, look, if you would, please, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 now and verses 15 and 16. The Apostle Paul, writing to the church at Corinth, talking about what I believe would be what we call today faith promise missions. The, the context of 2 Corinthians 8, 9, and 10 is that they are taking a special offering. This is not a normal offering that the churches were giving to support their own churches. This is over and above a special offering that the churches of Macedonia and other areas where, where, uh, where Gentile churches literally were, were taking up an offering to send back to the church of Jerusalem. And it was a special offering, an, an over and above offering. And so in chapter 10 and verse 15, the Apostle Paul made this statement. He said, not boasting of things without our measure, that is of other men's labors, but having hope. <clears throat> now, now catch this. Paul said, our hope is that when your faith is increased, faith promise missions, your faith is increased uh, to give, our hope is that your faith will be increased, that we shall be enlarged by you or enabled by you according to our rule, this rule that we're talking about of this special offering, to preach the gospel in the regions beyond you, not to boast in another man's line of things made ready to our hand. So the missionaries hope. As they come to your conferences, are the hope is that your faith will be increased, and that will allow them, as your faith is increased, you'll make a commitment to give so that they may be able then to take the gospel to the, to, to, to the regions beyond. That's what Faith Promise Missions is. It's, it's the hope that the missionary has that as he presents his ministry, as he lays out the burden, as you see the videos, as you understand the need, that you will be moved and your faith will be increased, as Paul said, to enable us to preach the gospel in the regions beyond, to go where it has not yet gone. Second thing it is, it's a free will offering. Faith promise is a free will offering. Look at, if you would please, at chapter 8 and verse 8. The Apostle Paul said, I speak not by commandment but by occasion of the forwardness of others, and to prove the sincerity of your love. So notice that emphasis there on the first part of the verse. I speak not by commandment. Now, faith promise is not a commandment. God does not promise us, or I'm sorry, God did not command us to use faith promise as the way that we do missions. It's not something that is a command. It's a free will offering. It's something that you uh, are moved upon by God, and, and, and then you decide, you make a commitment that you're going to do this by faith, that you're going to do this for the, for the glory of God. You'll notice on the card, for example, there is no place on, your, uh, on the card for your name. This is not a commitment to the church. You're not making a promise to the church that you're going to give a certain amount to missions. This is a promise to God. You don't make it to the church. You give it through the church. You see the difference? It's not to the church, it's through the church. It's a commitment that we're making to God that we give through the church. So it's a free will offering. Nobody's going to pressure you on this. Uh, if you give to, to, to this offering, if you fill out the card and we, we, you take up the card Tuesday night or Wednesday night, whenever it is, and uh, you make a commitment to give, that's between you and God. If you decide that you're not going to fill out the card, nobody's going to be upset with you. Nobody's, you're not going to become a second class member of the church. You're still loved. Pastor still cares about you. Staff still cares about you. You're still a part of the church. There's no pressure on you. This is not something where we're bringing you in and we're trying to squeeze some money out of you. This is a free will offering. So it's, it's a free will offering. Thirdly, it's a promise that you make for one year. Look, if you would please, at chapter 8 and verse 10. And again, all these principles are, are, are the principles that Paul taught to these various churches as he was raising this money for this special offering, this faith promise offering. Look, if you would please, at chapter 8 and verse 10. The Bible says, And herein I give my advice, for this is expedient for you who have begun before, not only do, to do, but also to be forward or to be willing to do this a year ago. So this is something that even a year ago, 
Paul had talked to them about to make this commitment, and now he's saying keep this commitment that you made a year ago. So what is faith promise missions? It's a promise that you make to God concerning the amount of money that you're going to give over and above your normal giving uh, to missions. It's a free will offering. It's between you and God. And so it's whatever you feel God wants you to do and that uh, you're willing to do uh, by the grace of God and by His, uh, by His uh, Spirit enablement. And then thirdly, it's a promise that you make for one year. So you're going to make this commitment now, and it's going to go through the following year. Number two, why should we give to, faith, to a faith promise? Why should we have a faith promise missions program? Well, I'm going to give you three reasons tonight. Number one, we are commanded to take the gospel to the world. Now, wait a minute. I said a moment ago, faith promise is not a command. And it's true, it's not. Paul says about this offering, I speak not by commandment. So God does not command us to take the gospel or to give by faith promise, but he does give us a command to get the gospel around the world. I do that once in a while just to wake you up. And so that's what that was. Uh, Go to Matthew chapter 28, if you would, please, in your Bible. Actually, I'm not sure what it was. (laughs) I think I heard this morning, too, once or twice. But uh, Matthew chapter 28. Technology is a wonderful, wonderful thing when it works, huh? Rather than get, get, get upset about it when it doesn't work, just think about this. It's a first world problem, my friend. We, we don't have that problem in the 1040 window. Very rarely do we have a problem with technology. What they're concerned about is not whether or not the screen's going to come up right. They're concerned about whether or not somebody's going to come in the door and arrest everybody. <laughs> it's a whole different ballgame over there. So, um, so look at Matthew chapter 28. Why, why do we have a faith promise program? Because we're commanded to take the gospel of the world. We don't have to use faith promise, but you've got to do something. This, the, because that is a command to get the gospel around the world. Again, go to Matthew chapter 28, pick it up in verse 18. Jesus came and spake unto them and saying, All power is given unto me in heaven. Go ye therefore. Notice this is not a suggestion. This is a command. Now, giving the faith promise, I speak not by commandment. You don't have to do it. But we do have to, to, to listen to this command. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe what, all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Five times they record the command of Jesus to go into all the world, to reach all nations with the gospel, to give them the gospel. That's God's that's, God's, that's our Lord's last command. Would you agree with me tonight that our Lord's last command should be our first priority? We are commanded to go into all nations. Now think about this for a moment. All nations. See, you see that? Matthew 28? All nations. Now here's the reality. None of us can do that by ourselves. I, I cannot go to all nations by myself. Neither can you. None of us can go to all nations by ourselves. So how can we obey this command? Well, here's what we should do. We should go where we can go, right here at home. We should go right here in our own city. And then we should give to send others where we cannot go. So again, faith promise is not a command, but missions is a command. We're commanded to go into all the world. So if you're not going to use faith promise, let's say you're here tonight and you say, well, you know, a preacher, I don't think I'm going to get involved in this faith promise missions. Okay, then how are you going to do it? What's your plan going to be? If you're not going to work with this plan that, 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 that the pastor, the church, God's led our pastor and, uh, to, and the church to, to, to use, if you're not going to use this plan, tell me what your plan is going to be. You don't have to use this one, but you do have to listen to that command where Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Go to all nations. So this is a plan. This is a way that you can do this. 
This is an opportunity for you to give in order to be able to uh, be obedient to the command of Jesus to take the gospel to all nations. Number two, not only is it a way for us to obey this command, secondly, we give. Why do we give? We give to express our loving obedience to God's command. We give as an, as an expression of our love. John fourteen fifteen said, If you love me, keep my commandments. Jesus said, The way to express your, your love for me is to obey my commandments. If we love him, we keep his commandments. We love him because he first loved us. And Jesus said, The way you express that love to me is by keeping my commandments. Go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, if you would please. A moment ago, we read this verse. And, in, and the Apostle Paul said in the first part of that verse, I speak not by commandment. So, you don't have to fill out the card. But, if you do fill out the card, if you do get involved in your Faith Promise Missions program, here's what it means. It means that when you said, Jesus, I love you, you were sincere about it. You were serious about it. You meant it. Look at the verse. I speak not by commandment. Paul said, you don't have to do this, but by occasion of the forwardness of others, because, because people need for you to do it, and also to prove the sincerity of your love. When we give to this missions program, when we get involved in our Faith Promise Missions program, we're proving the sincerity of our love. Paul says to them, you don't have to do this. I'm not twisting your arm. I'm not, I'm not forcing you to do this. I'm not commanding you to do this. But I do want you to understand that love is expressed by our obedience to Christ. And when we are willing to give, we're showing the sincerity of our love. Go over, over to verse 24, if you would, please. And again, in the same chapter, verse 24. Wherefore, show you to them and before the churches the proof of your love and of our boasting on your behalf. So Paul is saying to the church at Corinth, look, show, show, prove your love. Paul said, we've boasted to other churches about how you love God. You love the Lord, and you love missions, and you love souls, and you want to be obedient to Him. Here's how you prove that. You don't have to do it. But if you do, you're proving that you meant it when you said, Jesus, I love you. Talk is cheap. Talk is cheap. We prove our, our you know, we could say, we can say, I love missions, I love souls, I love the Lord, I want to get the guy, I want to see people saved all over the world. But then when it comes time to fill out the commitment card, we somehow lose our love. This is, this is how we, we, we prove that commitment. Again, I, please understand, um, you're not a second-class church member if you don't do it. But think about how much we could accomplish together, your church could do together, if everybody who's a part of this church got involved in Faith Promise Missions. You may say, well, my, the amount I give is not, is not that much. But, but it doesn't have to be. I mean, <clears throat> pastor giving some, and, and you giving some, and the other men, the deacons giving some, and every other member of the church giving some. When it's, it might be individually not that much, but when you put it together collectively, it ends up being quite a bit of money that we can use to send the gospel around the world. So why do we give? Why do we do it? We do it in order to help to fulfill that as a way of fulfilling the Great Commission, that command. We give it to express our obedience to God's commands. And number three, we give because God has freely given to us. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 8, Jesus said, Freely you have received, freely give. God has incredibly blessed us. Would you agree that God has blessed you? Now let me ask you a question. Why has God blessed you? You ever think about this? When my wife and I got married, <coughs> honestly, we, we were... We were, we were so young, and I was so dumb. She wasn't, she, well, the only thing dumb about, about her was that she married me. But other than that, she was quite intelligent. I was, uh, I was, I was 20 and she was 18. We got married. Is that right, baby? 
I was 20 and she was 18. And, uh, and then, uh, is that right? Yeah. Wow. Wow. There ought to be a law against that, huh? The only thing I would do differently now is that I wouldn't have waited until I turned to 20. I'd have married her at 18 or 19 if I got to do over again. But, uh, but we were, we, but, 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 you know, I got, I didn't get saved when I was 20 years old. I'm sorry. I was 21, you were 19, sweetheart. I was 21, she was 19. And, uh, because I got saved when I was 20. And then, and then we, uh, then I met her. And, uh, man, I knew, I knew from the moment I saw her that I wanted to marry her. I mean, it was just, just, it was it. I was love at first sight. By the way, by the way, teenagers, we're going to have pizza later. I can talk to you about this later if you want to, but I'm going to tell you something right now. All the teenagers, listen up. Listen carefully. There is no such thing as love at first sight. It doesn't exist. So don't be going home and saying to your dad and your mom, Oh, oh Mommy, I saw him tonight. Oh, I just got to I gotta marry that guy. Guys, don't be going home. Oh, Dad, you should see her. She's so hot. Man, I've got to marry her. She's, she's the one. She's the one. I could tell. She's a... No, no, no. It doesn't exist. It doesn't happen. There is no such thing as love at first sight. You got it? Everybody understand it? But... It did happen to me. <laughs> now, after it happened to me, God stopped doing it. <clears throat> but it happened one time to me, and then He didn't do it anymore. But, uh, but man, I remember whenever we were... But, but I had been saved at the age of 20, and I knew I was going to be a Baptist preacher. Now, you've got to understand, the church I got saved in is the only church I... I didn't know any... I wasn't raised in church. The, the church that I got saved in was the only church I knew. My, my pastor was very poor. church was very small. And uh, he worked, uh, he was pastor at our church during the day, and at night he worked at the bowling alley. And uh, he was a janitor at the bowling alley at night. And I thought, that's what I was going to do. That's all I knew. And so when I asked my wife to marry me, I literally, I'm not making this up, here's what I told her. I said, sweetheart, I love you. I want to spend my life with you, but you've got to understand something. God's called me to preach. I'm going to be a preacher. I'm going to be a Baptist preacher someday. And I said, Baptist preachers are poor, and we're going to be poor, because I'm going to be a Baptist preacher. And I said, so, so if you marry me, you've got to understand, um, we're not going to go to restaurants. We're not going to be able to afford to eat out. We're probably never going to own a house. We're, um, you, you're not going to be able to buy new clothes. We're probably going to buy our clothes at the Goodwill store. That's where I, where I bought my suits at at that point, at that time. And I said, uh, in fact, you may have to make your own clothes. And I said, because, and I was serious as, as I could be, because we're going to be very poor. And we were poor. We were, we were dead broke. Now, my wife got back at me, by the way, after that. I'll just tell you quickly. Here's what she did. She made me a suit long after, not, not long after we got married. <clears throat> Looks something like this. The sleeves up. This. <laughs> you know, this leg came down partway. This one came, the sleeve was up like this, you know. And I, I looked at that suit. And I tried it on and I said, uh, you know, maybe we could buy our clothes from the store. <laughs> maybe we could go to Goodwill. Maybe we could afford to do that. That was the last time she ever made me a suit, and that, that, that took care of it. I think to this day she did that on purpose, just, to, just to, 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 to make me understand, I'm not making your clothes, buddy. And so, um, but we, I, 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 thought, I thought it. That's what I thought. And you know, I was so silly, so dumb. Sincere, but dumb. You know what happened? God has just blessed us through the years, over and over and over again. God has blessed us tremendously, beyond our wildest imagination. Um, God has blessed us. Now, let me ask you a question. And, and, and you could tell the same story. Many of you could say the same thing. You couldn't afford to get married when you got married, but you did. And you figured it out. But God has blessed you through the years. Now, here's the question. Why? Why? 
Have you ever heard of this rule of first mention? Uh, that you ever heard preachers talk about this, the rule of first mention? The idea of the rule of first mention is this. When you're going to understand the Bible, if you want to understand something in the Bible, you, you, you go to the first time it's mentioned in the Bible. For example, grace, the first time the word grace is used, is we're talking about Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Uh, the first time you, find, you, you, go, you go to the first mention. You know where the first time that God ever used the word bless is? Genesis chapter 12. Look at it with me for a moment real quickly. In Genesis chapter 12, and you find, out about, you find something out about being blessed in Genesis chapter 12. This is the first time that God used that word. In Genesis chapter 12, here's what the Bible says. Now the Lord said unto Abram, which is, of course, Abraham. Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred, from thy father's house, into a land that I will show thee of. I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee. I will bless thee. The first time God says the word bless, so the rule of first mention would be we go there to find out what the meaning is. What, how does God use this term? I will bless thee. Now watch this. I will make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. God says, I will bless you, and in return, you will be a blessing. Watch it. God always blesses you so you can be a blessing. It's not about you. It was not about Abraham. God didn't look at Abraham and say, hey, Abraham, man, I love you more than anybody else. I'm going to bless you, and it ends there. I'm just going to bless you. Just going to bless your socks off, Abraham. I love you so much. No. God says to Abraham, I'm going to raise you up. I will bless you, and you're going to be a blessing as a result of me blessing you. You be a blessing to others. And who was Abraham to be blessed? Who was to be blessed through Abraham? Verse 3, I will bless them that bless thee. I will curse him that curse thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. The word family is the word we get our word ethnic, ethnic groups from. So God is saying to Abraham, Abraham, I'll bless you, but not, it's not about you. It's about you being a blessing to others. And the others that you're going to bless is all the nations, all the tribal groups of the world. Of course, talking about Jesus, the Messiah coming. So God raises up Abraham to bless him, and then Abraham would be a blessing through his descendants, the Lord Jesus, to all the families, all the nations, Jesus said in Matthew 28, going to all the gospel, preach the gospel to all the world. God blesses us to be a blessing to others. God blessed you so you could be a blessing to others. It's not about you. God didn't just look down at Gail and I and say, you know, man, I love you kids so much. You're a knothead, Dwight. You thought you were going to be dirt poor. I'm going to let you be poor for a while, but you're not always going to be poor. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to let you have a house someday. I'm going to let you have children. Have a, I'm going to let you have a car. I'm going to, you don't have to ride a bicycle your whole, your whole life in ministry. I mean, we didn't have a, we didn't have a car. We're, we're talking about we ride a bicycle to work. <laughs> we, we, were, we were dirt poor. We couldn't afford to get married. Both of our parents were saying, you guys can't do this. You can't afford to do it, but we did it. And God has blessed us, but He didn't bless us just for us. He blessed us so we could be a blessing to others. God will give to you what He wants to give through you. God will give to you what He wants to give through you. It's not just all about God giving to you so that you can say, Hey, think about this. Does God really, has God really blessed you so that your standard of living could continually increase? Maybe God is blessing you so your standard of giving will increase. Maybe God wants to give something to you so you can, He can give it through you because you are the channel whereby He can get the blessing to other people. How do we determine how much to give? We thought about the what. We thought about the why. Let's talk about how much do we give. How much do we give, all right? Here's the answer to that. How do we determine? We pray about it. 
No one can determine that for you. You have to go to God and seek His will. Now, there's a couple of principles that you do as you think about how, to, how, to, how much should I give. When it comes time to fill out this card, how much should you give? Pastor can't tell you. Uh, you just, you're going to have to go to God with this. And by the way, I think husbands and wives should pray together with this. I don't think this should be a, an, an, a, a cause of division between a husband and a wife. My wife and I have been given the faith promise mission since we went off to Bible college. We got married, went to Bible college, and uh, so we, that's the first time we heard about faith promise missions at Bible college. And we began to give, and we always talk about it. We always pray about it. We always, we always, we always talk about it together every year. Normally, my wife wants to give more than I do. And we, and we finally come to the conclusion that, that uh, the amount that God wants us to give. So first of all, so you have to go to God. Here's what you do. Number one, submit yourself to the Lordship of Christ. Looking back at 2 Corinthians chapter 8 again. As Paul is tell, telling them, all right, you don't have to do this offering, but you should do it. It's a proof of your love. It's going to help others. It's going to, it's, that, that's our hope as missionaries, that as you, if you'll, uh, your faith will be increased, we can go take the gospel around the world. And here's a couple of things that I want to say to you, Paul says to them. He's giving the, the example of the Macedonian churches. These would be the churches of Macedonia. This would be Philippi. This would be Thessalonica. This would be Berea. Uh, those, those churches that you see in Acts 16, 17, those, uh, those are Macedonian churches. And he says to them, here's what they did. In a great trial of affliction, verse 2, the abundance of their joy, their deep poverty, abounded in the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power they are willing of themselves. They were praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift. They were eager to give. And take upon us the fellowship of the ministering of the saints. Here's the principle. First of all, verse 5. This they did not as we hoped, but they first gave their own selves to the Lord. So, Tuesday, Wednesday, we're going to fill out that card. And you're still not sure what you should give. You say, well, how do I know how much I should give? Well, I wish I could tell you, but I can't. What I can tell you is this. Submit yourself to the Lordship of Christ. First, give yourself to the Lord. And just, just, just surrender to Him and say, Lord... Everything that I have is yours. Everything that I, you've given me, everything that I have. And God, what is it that you want me to give? Number two, settle in your mind the amount that God wants you to give. Go over to chapter 9 now. Again, these, these, three, these three chapters are just full of these principles. We'll talk a little bit more about them, Lord willing, uh, uh, Monday and Wednesday night. But, but these principles are so, so strong, so powerful here. In chapter 9 and verse 7, Every man according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give. So you purpose in your heart what you believe God wants you to give. And the man here is generic. We, you know, we're talking about mankind. Uh, all of us are to men, women. We're to, we're to determine what does God want us to give. Get that settled in your heart. Now, you're not going to be able to do that without, without praying about it, without surrendering to God. You pray about it. You surrender to God. You say, Lord, everything is yours. What is it that you want me to do? What do you want to give through me to missions to get the gospel around the world? Every man according to his purpose in his heart. So let him give, not grudgingly, a necessity. Why? Because God loves a cheerful giver. So he doesn't want you to do this thing because you were pressured into it. God loves a cheerful giver. He wants you to be happy about what you're doing. He wants you to be willing and eager to do this. Um, I used to tell our people at Liberty, God loves a cheerful giver. Now here at Liberty, we love any kind of giver. But uh, God loves a cheerful giver. <laughs> now the reality is I was, I was joking about that. <laughs> we, we don't want you to give grudgingly. Uh, look, you, if, you, you know, if you're, if you're going to get if you're going to get this card on Wednesday night or Tuesday night, and you're going to say, "Oh man, I loved last year, but we didn't do it last year, but now we got to do it again." 
okay, I'm going to write one dollar a week down here. And you're going to throw it in here. Just, just, you know what? Just keep it. It's okay. It's okay. You don't have to do this, right? This is not a commandment. This is an opportunity for you to get the gospel around the world. But do this thing from a heart of love. I mean, honestly, sometimes in a Baptist church, if you could, if looks could kill, you know, the, the ushers would drop dead as they're coming by with the plate. You know, we, we reach in our wallet, we get out, we get out George Washington, you know, a dollar bill, and, and by the time George gets into that, into that plate, it's got a headache. We squeezed him so hard, you know. Just keep it. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> we're, we're not, no, no, we'll survive without it. It's, it's all right. And we love you. So it's okay. Grow in grace a little bit here, you know. Get to the point where you can say, Lord, you've given me everything. You've blessed me incredibly. And Lord, I want to be a blessing to others. That's why you blessed me. Settle in your amount, in your mind, the amount God wants you to give. Husbands and wives, I think you ought to come into agreement with it. I don't think it ought to be a a source of dissension between you and cause division in a a family. Would you agree, Pastor? I don't think a husband and wife ought to be uh, be upset with each other about it. I think you guys talk and talk about it, pray about it. And, uh, and, and, then, and then come together. And uh, as Gail and I will do, we've done so many times through the years. How, how much do you th- think we should give? She said, I was thinking this amount. I said, whoa. I was thinking a little bit less than that. Or maybe sometimes I'm thinking a little bit more than that. And, uh, and, we, and, we, and we, we talk about it. We come to an agreement. We settle in our mind, our heart, what we believe God wants us to give. And then number three. So you submit yourself to the Lordship of Christ. You settle in your mind. Number three, once you know what God wants you to do, then follow through with it by settling that amount. You've got to settle in your heart. Now set that amount aside and give that faithfully to the Lord. Look at chapter 8, verse 10. Chapter 8, verse 10. Herein I give my advice, for this is expedient for you who have begun before, not only to do it, but also to be forward a year ago. So he's saying, now here's my advice. A year ago, you made this commitment. Here's what I advise you to do. Now, therefore, verse 11, perform the doing of it. Set it aside and give it. That there, as there was a readiness to will, as, you, as, you, as we talked to you about this, Paul says, we talked to you about this, we preached to you about this, we showed you the need, you were willing. Now let's, let's fulfill that. As you were readiness to will, so there may be a performance also out of that which you have. Um, once you know what God wants you to do, set it aside and give it. And God will meet your needs. God will take care of it. That's one reason why we don't want this to be an emotional uh, kind of a, a decision. I, I've had, through the years, I've had people preach missions conferences for me, especially in those early years uh, of faith promise when I didn't really, I was pastoring at the age of 24, got saved at 20 as a new Christian myself. So, you know, I'm, I'm introducing faith promise missions and others are coming in and preaching it for me and teaching it for me. And, and, and it, it, almost, it almost felt like, like preacher, it almost felt like they were, they were presenting this thing almost like God was going to be your ATM machine. You know, if you'll give a hundred dollars, God will give you a thousand. Whoa, I'll, t- I'll take that one. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's not what we're talking about here. We're not, we're not talking about a we're not talking about prosperity gospel here. You know, now I believe God. Pro- you know, here's the problem. You know what the problem is we have? We have a Bible, and the problem is that the Bible sometimes says things that like like wow, kind of unbelievable. Give and it shall be given unto you. <laughs> Good measure, pressed down, running over. Show men given your bosom. You cannot. We believe. I believe with all my heart. You cannot outgive God. But that doesn't mean that. That I think if you give, God will bless you. You'll. you'll and again, in these passages, He talks about sowing and reaping. 
He that soweth bountifully shall reap bountifully. He soweth sparingly reaps sparingly. So God's going to bless you in proportion as you give. But here's one thing that, that, that I think we, we forget. God has other ways of blessing me than just financially. Right? I mean, I've given enough money to the Lord through the years to our, our tithes and our regular offerings and, and over and above that to missions. We've given enough money through the years that I think God should have made me a multimillionaire by now, right? But he didn't. But he enabled us to be able to live comfortably. He enabled us to be able to have other blessings, like three kids that love the Lord and love us, like nine grandkids that are, that are all in church today. I'd rather have that than, than be a multimillionaire. Right? God may or may not, and God may make you a multimillionaire. I hope he does. And that, you, and that and you continue to give and, and invest it in the work of God here in your own local church and around the world. But, but, but that, that may not be... We've we, we got to stop thinking that God's just going to bless me with money. Now, you make this commitment to God. You, you get the heart and mind of God. You make the commitment. You lay it aside. You set, you set it aside and you, and you give it. And how's God going, to, God going to bless you? Well, He may increase your supply. He may, he may give you a raise. Or he may decrease your demand. He may make that car last longer. That uh, you may not have to buy that that washing machine. That that hot water heater may not break as often. He may increase your amount of money. He may decrease the amount that you need to spend. Or he may just give you wisdom on how to be a better steward of what you do have. God may give you wisdom on how to be a good steward. Chapter nine. One more verse. Chapter, one more passage. Chapter 9, verse 6 says this. Chapter 9 and verse 6. This I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap sparingly. He which soweth bountifully shall reap bountifully. Every man according to his purpose in his heart shall let him give, not grudgingly, of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now look at verse 8. Again in the context of this giving, God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. Right, so how is God going to bless you? I don't know. But here's what he says. In the context of the giving, the faith promise of making this commitment, laying that money aside, giving that money for this special offering, then, God, then he says this. And by the way, this is the greatest promise in the Bible for a Christian. Okay? The greatest promise in the Bible is John 3.16, right? Romans 10.13, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's the, that's the greatest promise for an unsaved person, right? But I'm already saved. And if you're already saved, here's your greatest promise. Second Corinthians verse, uh, chapter 9, verse 8. Here's the greatest promise. God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always, having all sufficiency in all things. I mean, can you think of anything bigger than that? That verse just said, God says, look, in the, in the context of this giving, of this offering, of this faith promise, God says... Paul says, God is able to make all grace abound towards you so that you always will have all sufficiency, you have everything you need in all things, and you can abound to every good work. Wow. If we can do that, I don't know anything better. God says, I'll meet all of your needs if you'll trust me. So, very simple. Faith promise, what it is, why we do it, and how do we determine what to give. We're going to have to pray about it. We're going to have to really look to God and ask Him what He wants us to do.
Our Father, we do thank you for your love for us tonight. We thank you for the opportunity to be here in this service, in this church. We thank you for what you're doing here at this church. Father, we ask that you might continue to work. I pray, Lord, that uh, even tonight you would help us to begin to pray and to seriously consider, God, what do you want me to do concerning faith promise? What do you want me to do concerning help to get the gospel around the world? Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed for just a moment before we turn it back over to Pastor. I wonder tonight if God's spoken to your heart and how many people would be willing to say, I want to begin tonight, Dwight, I'm going to begin tonight praying and asking God what he wants me to do. And uh, talk to my wife about it. We're gonna, we're gonna, my husband and I are going to pray about it. We're going to talk about it. We're going to consider it. Uh, teenagers, you can give. You should give. You should, you should give as well. Children, you could give something. All of us should have a part in this. How many people tonight would say, Well, Dwight, God has spoken to my heart. I see it. I get it. It's very simple, but it's very biblical. And I want to be a part of it. Would you slip your hand up very quickly all over the auditorium tonight? Thank you. God bless you. May lower your hands. Pastor, I'm going to turn it over to you.